Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I want to start today thanking all the folks who showed up at the Anchor Bar in downtown Detroit last night from 6 to 8 p.m. for our pre-election smart politics. It was really great to catch up with people, meet some of the listeners in person, some folks I had not met before, and talk about the things that the Detroiters will vote on next Tuesday, including mayor and clerk and city council and the marijuana ballot proposals. Uh, we will have another smart politics soon in the coming year, and we will, as we always do, move that around so that uh, different parts of the community get to come out and have a beer with us, talk about uh, the issues, and get to know us a little better. Also, of course, if you are stepping away from your radio, headed into work, or have to step away for any reason. In fact, uh, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. You can just go to iTunes or wherever it is you download podcasts. If you download and subscribe to Detroit Today, you can uh, take us with you and listen to the program when you get ready. Up front today, we've been talking about a sort of renaissance happening in downtown and midtown Detroit for a lot of years now, but How does the city change aesthetically when investment moves into town? The city of Detroit says that it's going to start enforcing more strictly an ordinance that would change the way our city looks. We've become accustomed recently to these large-scale signs and advertisements that are on some of the largest buildings in downtown Detroit. It has just become part of the way our city looks. And the building owners profit from those advertisements because they get money for essentially rent, rent of the side of their buildings. Now, the city says those signs have to come down by the end of the year. And city officials say the only buildings that can hold advertisements on their outside facades are the sports stadium. So Ford Field, the new Little Caesars Arena, Comerica Park, that's it. Everything else, they say, has to come down. So the city of Detroit will look really different on January 1st if this is enforced. But is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? Many see these advertisements as a kind of blight, harming the aesthetic of a downtown with otherwise really great architecture. How does this change in the physicality of downtown represent some of the larger changes in the neighborhood? And how have other cities dealt with these changing features in their central business districts? What do those changes mean for residents and existing businesses? That's where we start the conversation today, uh, and we want to hear from you. Talk about the no, the things you've noticed that have changed in downtown Detroit, these signs that are all over the sides of buildings. Do you think that makes it seem like uh, a more metropolitan place? Does it seem like a place that's a little more active and where there's a little more interest? Or do you think it's a, sort of, it's a kind of blight, uh, a kind of obnoxious uh, intrusion into uh, the, the, the sort of majestic architecture of downtown Detroit? And do you think the city council ought to be trying to regulate the way in which these signs change the view of downtown Detroit? 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Joining us now... To talk about this issue is Greg Bowens. He's a political and communications consultant here in uh, southeast Michigan. Greg, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Welcome, Steve. Thank you for having me on this morning. Yeah. So let's talk about these signs. Uh, you, you have some some real interest in in how all this works. Uh, the signs that have come up, I, I want to say it's been the last three or four years that I've really started to notice that building owners downtown see this as an opportunity and are, are allowing uh, people to, to use the sides of their buildings. I got to say, I'm of a split mind here. Sometimes mm. I like it. Sometimes I think it's uh, maybe a little too obnoxious. City Council is saying, look, there's a law against this. We're going to enforce it. Uh, why shouldn't Why shouldn't they do that? I remember years ago there was a conversation we were having when I was uh, press secretary for Archer, when I used to work for, for Dennis Archer. And uh, that was around the time the casinos were coming in, mm-hmm. coming into play. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge concern that the casinos would come in with all of this money. You know, they're coming from Vegas and they're just going to throw up billboards of, you know, come here and gamble. And the girly <laughs> joints would pop up and there would be signs everywhere. And so folks are really concerned. And every now and then that concern would really uh, take on new life when you would have something as benign and beautiful as the big whale painting on the side of the building downtown. Right. Remember, that was, what is that, like 20 stories or something? Sure, sure. And so the uh, the discussion about, and people were sort of offended, or at least in the administration, as I recall, that some guy from someplace else just decided he was going to pop in and, you know, <laughs> subject us <laughs> to, his, uh, to his artwork to save the whales. And I think that, there was no real discussion about how to do something as aesthetically pleasing as this. Now, I, uh, from what we've seen now, the technology to do what's happening now didn't exist. Right. Think about it. The way graphics has changed, the way material and fabrics have changed. You used to have to build a wooden frame, a whole new structure on the side of a building to do a billboard. To you put don't, something like this yeah, up. You don't do that anymore. And now they can even do it with lights. You know, everybody who's they're buying Christmas lights now. Well, instead instead of buying Christmas lights, they're buying the kit, right? And they're shining lights on their house. You know, there might be a day, there may come a day when the same thing happens here as it relates to uh, these building signs. And so, I think that one of the things that we see uh, is another example of how it can be challenging for government to regulate a growing and changing industry. And 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 I think that I and they think, don't know, they don't always think of the various sort of right. I guess ripples of uh, f- that that flow out from the central question. If oh, you exactly. if you regulate regulate it this way, what's the effect on this thing sort of down down the pond? Right? I mean, there should be a way to come up with processes when we are introduced or when we have new industries that allows for the safe, you know, uh, installment or or the safe uh, growth of that particular industry, whatever it may be. And in a way that allows for the city to capture new revenue. And this is a perfect example. There should be a process in place that would allow for these, uh, this, ad, this particular part of the ad industry to continue. We see this, though, um, with you know, the big fight. You talked about it yesterday with the medical, medical marijuana industry. You know, the state passed a law. Folks started going in business. And people went bananas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this took it a while for the city to catch up. But just last week. Rental properties, landlords, you know, uh, if you follow what the city has said, and they've really only inspected about 5,000 of the tens of thousands of properties that are out there, then mm-hmm. that means that like 90-something percent of all the uh, rental properties out there are, quote-unquote, illegal. Uh, you're right. 
right. you know? And uh, so what do you do to, to catch up in that phase? So, so would, you, would you draw a distinction, I guess, between, let's say, the, the, the mural that's on the side of the Broderick by, by Weiland? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone agrees that's art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's an artistic statement. It's, it's an iconic statement in this city, given that you can see it from most of the seats in Comerica Park. I think most people who go to ball games, that's what they, that's what they think of. But, but that seems quite different perhaps uh, from an Apple ad or, uh, or an ad for, for something else commercial. I mean, should we, be, should we be trying to draw those distinctions and maybe dealing with these things differently? Or do you just think it ought to be, it ought to be a free-for-all, that, that the people ought to put whatever they want on the side of their building? Right. Well, you know, I tend to be very liberal when it comes to, you know, things. And I think that uh, from that perspective, even – the sign of the whales, it's, it, is, it is selling something. It is selling a, a, a particular point of view about the value of the whales, about investing in the environment. It doesn't say buy this sure. as just as blatantly, but it is subtle. So, I mean, advertising is art in lots of ways, and I think that there are ways that it can be tastefully done. I'm not upset about seeing the uh, piston sign. You know, mm-hmm. up there, I wasn't upset about the Shinola signs. I mean, these these messages are very encouraging in lots of ways. Now, if you're selling, you know, obviously, if you're selling alcohol mm-hmm. or something like that in a way that is encouraging people to 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 overindulge, then that would be something else. But um, I just think that there should be there should be a, a reasonable way to to do this. Yeah, and yeah. I've been working with people in the industry to do this, and we just had one yeah. walk in. Yeah, uh, we are also joined now by Andres McDonald. He's the co-owner of Brooklyn Outdoor. It's an advertising agency in Detroit, uh, in the Eastern Market. Andres, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Yeah, uh, talk about how this regulation by our local government affects your business. Your you're helping uh, people put these signs up on their buildings, correct? So correct. Uh, this this uh, this affects you directly. Oh, absolutely. Um, we currently represent about 25 different building owners or buildings, rather. Some mm-hmm. have shared ownership, and uh, come December 31st, um, all of the signs and and all of the agreements that we have with those buildings will cease. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, we have what would be considered a traditional lease agreement with them. So we are paying them monthly, um, in some instances, uh, a revenue share. Um, and so we're averaging, these landlords are collecting anywhere between, on the low end, two grand to 2500 a month, up to, depending on location and size, obviously, um, ten grand to fifteen grand a month. Mm-hmm. So... You know, from a landlord perspective or a building owner perspective, it's a considerable amount of money. And uh, we are a, a unique tenant in that we don't require them to invest any money in their property to make it suitable for our use. Right. Uh, we are almost in a completely insular industry as it relates to them. So we spend our money on making their space work for us um, yeah. as opposed to, and I am a building owner as well in the city of Detroit, mm-hmm. Um, so I'm intimately aware and personally aware of the cost that it takes to what we would consider white box of space in order for a tenant to take it. Right. This is totally different. We come to them and say, hey, we'd like to take your blank wall. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, 
Is this, uh, in your sense, from your chair, an overreach by the city council? Is it a is it a an encroachment on on commerce that 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 you know has no real ill effect on on things? I would agree. So I would agree. Um, I recognize that that Detroit has a unique challenge now that we are um, experiencing and and enjoying you know, a tremendous amount of growth, yeah. a tremendous amount of interest. Lots of changes. Lots of, and those come with changes. Right. Um, so I do recognize and I'm sensitive to the challenges they have. You know, we are one industry of obviously countless industries in the city. Um, but yes, generally, yeah, I, I, I agree that I think we are, um, you know, I use this word often, we're a, we're a victimless industry. You know, um, I don't think anyone walks around and they may have an aesthetic objection, but it's probably minor at the most. Um, and as well, the industry itself self-regulates. Um, you know, we do not cover existing windows. Mm -hmm. We do not cover architectural details of these buildings. And that tends to be part of the dialogue as it relates to if people do have any sort of objection is, you know, well, what does it do to, how does it impact the building? And I actually want to touch on something when I jumped into the conversation late, there's a huge distinction between what we do and the that painting on the side of the Broderick. Mm -hmm. um, nothing we do is permanent. So whether you particularly enjoy Apple products or right. not, it's there for four weeks, six right. weeks, a couple months. These, um, are, these are leased spaces yeah. that have... Uh, time limited existence. Correct. Is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, from a just a general sense, I would, it would probably stand to reason that if you are concerned, if you are considering something that has a permanent nature, that has a different parameter of considerations uh -huh. versus something that's going to be up four weeks, eight weeks. You know, um, the impact we have on a building is de minimis. Yeah. Uh, if for some reason the building owner ourselves decided to part ways, when we take out take down our rigging, you'll never know that we were there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, I think it's a tremendous opportunity for the city to 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 uh, enjoy the added attention that we're getting from these. You know, a majority of our clients are probably split fifty fifty between Fortune one hundred companies um, with a national international reach. And the local based companies, local companies, Shinola, yeah. you know, I mean, even the Detroit Pistons find it, you know, uh, a very viable or very um, impactful part of their marketing strategy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Greg Bowens, a political and communications consultant here in Southeast Michigan. Also here is Andres McDonald. He's the co-owner of Brooklyn Outdoor, an advertising agency in Detroit and Eastern Market. Uh, we're talking about the images that we have started to see on the sides of buildings in downtown Detroit in the last three or four years. That's really sort of exploded the idea <clears throat> that the sides of buildings can be display surfaces for art or for advertising. City Council says there's a law in the books that prohibits that kind of display and has ordered that uh, as of January 1st, 2018, all of those signs will have to go except for the ones on the sports stadium. So Ford Field, the new Little Caesars Arena in Comerica Park can keep theirs. Everyone else will have to get rid of them.
What do you think of that? What do you think of the idea of that change, that visual aesthetic change in downtown Detroit? Do you think it's a sign of the progress that we're experiencing, or do you think it's sort of a blight kind of dynamic, something that detracts from the skyline uh, in Detroit, the, the sort of natural flow of that skyline? Do you think city council is right to try to rein some of that in, or do you think Uh, This is something that's pretty harmless and a good sign of new activity and interest in Detroit. Give us a call, 313-577-1019, if you want to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Margo in Detroit. Margo, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Um, I just wanted to talk about what is being enforced and what is not being enforced and ultimately who is, is benefiting. Um, I know that street art has particularly taken, um, you know, been a, an area of focus for the mayor, be, you know, what is considered art and what is considered graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, I also personally was trying to get our existing light ordinance enforced on the Ford Field back in, oh. in February. And right. we've since seen the Little Seniors Arena, you know, having a massive amount of light um, pollution into the sky, and mm-hmm. also DTE Energy, of all people, with, with um, the new Beacon with Park. With Beacon Park, sure. Yeah, and so I think we have, I mean, an, a light ordinance specifically is something that is not just aesthetically important, but also environmentally important. Um, I myself am pro, you know, removing these advertisings. I think that the comment that, you know, the, um, these this advertising is victimless, I, I highly disagree with that because, who is benefiting from these advertisements? It's it's corporations. Yeah, uh, l- let me ask you a question, Margo. I I, I uh, live downtown and agree with you. The Ford Field lights were were unbelievably intrusive. Uh, I think LCA and Beacon Park are less so, but but there's no question that they change the way uh, the, the, the 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 skyline looks. Do you draw a distinction though between things like that? And advertisements and art. I mean, we're, one of the things we're starting to see in downtown Detroit is also the use of the sides of these buildings as art space. Do you think that that should be treated differently than things that are, uh, I guess, expressly commercial? I think they're all connected. I think that again, you know, these advertising advertisements are being asked to be removed except for these stadiums and art across the city is being removed. We, mm-hmm. you know, if you've lived here for years, you've seen art being removed. And so what gets to remain and what is allowed to remain and what I is see considered what art and what is considered blight is so, a really important question. So we have, you know, murals in the market is an amazing art, sure. you know, um, spectacle, but there are famous, you know, works of art across the city that are being removed. So I think it's really about who determines what gets to say and what doesn't and who benefits. So, so what I, I guess then I would ask you, do you draw a distinction between art and advertising? In other words, would you take down the Apple or Shinola I would, signs absolutely. And, and leave art instead? Right, because I think that when we talk about who, like how much these corporations are benefiting from, you know, Apple is very different than you know, a, a one X run artist. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think you'd have a, a real hard time. I think you might end up with a first amendment problem. Uh, if That's you, if, if you did that, right. Uh, the drawing that distinction between the expression of an artistic point of view and the expression of a commercial 
point of view. I don't, I'm not sure how you could do that, but I but I really appreciate the call and uh, and the comments there, Margo. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Tom. Tom in Northwest Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today. Yeah. Good morning, good everyone. Time. You know what the way I look at it is. I mean, the city's getting a cut of this too, also, right? I, I imagine, you know, with the space that's being, um, you know, used on the side of the building. And then, too, I mean, if you're going to let the Pistons put a sign up and nobody else, that is discrimination. And I mean, you know, we've been, and I'm going to say we, I'm talking about us black folks, mm-hmm. we've been jumping up and down and screaming about discrimination since, I mean, I'm 70 years old and it was going on before me. So if you, you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So you, you would know. let you would let everybody put the signs up or nobody is what you're saying. Well, exactly, and I mean you know as long as you know they're done in good taste, okay, uh-huh. um, it, it's okay. But I mean you know if you want to go and get crazy, and it's just a whole. I mean I know beauty's in the eye of the beholder and that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I don't have a pro- you know I didn't have a problem with looking at the whale and looking at Barry Sanders and you know whatever else is down there. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it kind of like it added a little bit you know, instead yeah. of just a blank wall, you know, staring at you. Yeah, Tom, thanks very much for right. uh, for the call and the comments. Let's go to Ryan in Garden City. Ryan, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, thanks, Stephen. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to stress on the point that uh, someone made about this, like, you know, being a newer thing in the last you know five or so years. Um, I mean, if you look back at, the vintage photos of Detroit, mm-hmm. you know, they've uncovered on some of these old buildings painted advertisements that, you know, date back to the 20s. So they've always done advertisements They've on the side of these that. buildings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the old, the, the famous Verner's painted, sign, you know, advertisements and stuff. And so, I mean, I, I don't think there's a problem with the building owners using their space how they want. Uh, you know, as long as, like Tom just said, as long as it's tasteful and, um, you know, if they're aiming at minors with alcohol, yeah, then that's definitely wrong. But, yeah. uh, you know, like Apple and everything, I mean, I have no problem with it. I think it, it just adds to the the look of the city and, and not in a negative way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, Ryan, so- I, I appreciate the call. That That historical perspective is really important. As someone who grew up here in the 1970s, I remember the Werner sign, for instance, on Woodward as one of the things I, oh, yeah. I, I have really sort of burned in my memory about being a kid in the city. Uh, there are other things that were on the sides of buildings. It does seem that at some point we turned a corner and mm-hmm. started to think of these things differently and that now we've got this sort of vestige of that turn uh, greeting this new era of of, right. of Public public display. Well, you know, what's interesting, whenever I've flown in or gone to another city, you see these as a matter of course. You know, in Chicago, in New York, in L.A., in Atlanta, mm-hmm. the, this, and, and, and it seems like these 15-story, you know, signs of whether it's an athlete or something, it's, it, it, it tends to suggest a vibrancy, you know, that you don't see yeah. uh, in other places. And so... I mean, there are all kinds of unregulated stuff uh, here where the city is trying to catch up. I mean, you know, so we, I mean, I've got a whole list of things, everything from drone delivery to self-driving cars to online retail to, And in a way, it's a good thing that that we are having the kind of new activity that, that requires us to think of these things, but it does take some time. 
I guess, to catch up. All right, Greg Bowens, political and communications consultant, Andres McDonald, co-owner of Brooklyn Outdoor, an advertising agency here in Detroit. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. All right, stay with us. and We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to blow it up to a more national perspective, what happens when cities change physically. How do they respond to those changes? Uh, Stay with us on Detroit Today. Stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019. We'll be right back. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We've been talking about how Detroit is changing the way it looks downtown, now enforcing an ordinance to remove large advertisements from the sides of buildings. But how have other cities adjusted as their downtowns grow and change? What are the costs and benefits of new investment shaping a downtown aesthetically? That's where we want to pick up the conversation here on Detroit Today. And we want to hear from you again. What do you think of the changes, the physical changes that are taking place in downtown Detroit, the new advertisements that are showing up on the sides of buildings? It seems at sometimes as uh, as much as one new a week is appearing. Uh, lots of lots of uh, people thinking differently about how their buildings might contribute to the skyline here. Is that a good thing? Is that something that shows uh, that we are changing and growing as a city? Or is it a kind of blight? Is it an intrusion on a skyline that for years had its own aesthetic uh, mostly defined by its architecture. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Also joining us now to talk more about that national perspective is Jenny Schutz. Uh, she is the David M. Rubenstein Fellow in the Metropolitan Policy Program at the Brookings Institution. She has published extensively about housing policy, land use regulation, urban amenities, and neighborhood change. Jenny, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Sure. Good to be here. Sure. So, so I, I'm not sure... If you heard much of our first segment where we talked about how we have an ordinance on the books here that technically prohibits these kinds of large displays on the sides of buildings. And our city council this week said, hey, uh, we're going to enforce that law and we want you to take all of these signs down, except for the ones that are on uh, the sports stadiums we have. We have three sports stadiums now in, in the middle of downtown Detroit. They'll be able to keep their displays, but everybody else... Uh, over the holidays is going to have to remove them. I guess I'm not sure I've heard of another city doing that. Uh, so I, I, I imagine that this is something you might uh, be more familiar with. Has anyone else approached it that way, trying to uh, essentially put the genie back in the bottle? So lots of cities have dealt with the question of whether there should be outdoor advertising on the sides of buildings, top buildings. I don't know if another city has had an ordinance on the books that they didn't enforce and then start to enforce it. Um, But for instance, Los Angeles has had a big discussion about the same thing. Theirs was mostly focused on whether you could have lighted up signs, Mm -hmm. um, so contributing to light pollution as well. But if you think about all the other cities, as many of your your guests have been uh, talking about, 
Chicago, New York, Boston, the famous Sitco sign uh, beside Fenway Park. Mm -hmm. These are pretty common in other cities. There is often a debate about what constitutes art and what is commerce, and that really is depending on the person's point of view and depending on your aesthetic taste. So there isn't going to be an easy answer. Yeah, yeah. And and when cities struggle with these questions, do they draw distinctions between? Things like, uh, I guess, murals on the sides of buildings, which would qualify as art, and advertisements on the sides of buildings that would qualify as commerce. It's one of the things I think is getting lost in our discussion here as council takes a sort of sweeping look at all of this. Some of these things are art and and artistic statements. They're being treated the same as, uh, as advertisements for Apple or Shinola. Yeah, that's a, it's a hard distinction to make um, because often the companies that are putting up these advertisements hire artists or graphic designers to produce them. And so in somebody's view, these are a piece of art. It's artistic expression. Um, sure. And if you think about if you think about um, some of the cities, for instance, that have a long tradition of having murals or outdoor painting, in some people's eyes, that's art. And some cities have also treated that as graffiti and, in fact, tried to remove what we would think of as murals or other forms of art because it may have um, representations that uh, that some parts of the city may not like. So there, it's it's hard to distinguish between what has artistic value and what doesn't um, because of people's preferences. Normally, what cities can do is they can regulate the content. So, uh, for instance, that you can't advertise cigarettes or alcohol or um, even, for instance, maybe fast food, something that's considered to be unhealthy or that might have negative influences on kids. Cities can regulate the size and the parameters, whether something can be lit or whether it has to be, uh, you know, fit within a certain size. They may be able to regulate where it is, particularly around kind of school zones. Um, but regulating the content based on whether this has artistic merit or not, that's really hard to do when you get into very tricky um, issues about sort of who, who gets to decide what looks like art and who gets to decide what's pleasing to the eye. Right. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Stephen in Detroit. Stephen, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, it's a great conversation. Thanks Thank for you. taking my call. Sure. I actually think it's um, just a couple of quick points. I think it's actually pretty easy to distinguish between what is art and what is advertising, uh, simply based on kind of basic media literacy, who's paying for it and what is their agenda and what is the purpose. If the purpose is to encourage the sale of something, then it's advertising. Well, and you know, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting way to approach it, Stephen. I, but, but I, so, for instance, though, uh, th- there are several murals on on the sides of buildings downtown right now that are done by artists, but they were not paid for by those artists. They were paid for by other people, either the building owner or, or someone else who wanted to have that uh, that that piece of art there. Um, how, what what category does that fit in based on your model? Right. And I think historically that's happened. You've had people who have, uh, you know, paid artists to produce things for them and it's their property. And and I think I do think that cities have a stake in, you know, and the people should have a, a say in setting forward, you know, what what are the policies going to be around this? Yeah. I mean, my personal perspective, I, I don't want to see any outdoor advertising anywhere. Um, and I think we have to have a larger conversation about 
uh, public space, the commons being like, why is everything for sale? Why does every single space have to be a potential advertisement? I'm in education, and I know the ad industry looks at education very hungrily, saying, (laughs) oh, wow, we've got 30 students in a class. That's captive advertising. How can we get something in there to advertise to those students? And it's just, I... I don't know. I would I would like to see us go toward at least having that conversation yeah. and moving the way a lot of other cities have done. And this is something that can be regulated because other cities do regulate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, how I, much outdoor advertising we have, if we have any at all. I think it would be beautiful to have none. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen, thanks very much for the, the call and the really the really thoughtful uh, comments there. Uh, I, I, I think t- talking about it in those terms is probably the right space. It's, it's the right framework for the discussion. I'm not sure that we would reach any better conclusions given the actors involved uh, around here, but, but I really do appreciate uh, those thoughts. Robert on Facebook says, outdoor commercial advertising is not a victimless industry. I think that we, the citizens, can agree that unfettered commercial speech is a visual disturbance and lowers the aesthetic quality of a city and therefore is not in our interest. Murals are not billboards. Uh, uh, Jenny, there again, this, this question between art and commercialization, uh, the, the, the listeners seem to be saying there's, there are clear lines to be drawn here. I'm not sure that they are so clear. It's particularly muddy if you think about how we've dealt with advertising on buildings in the past. So some of your earlier callers mentioned that buildings have had outdoor advertisements, things painted on the sides of them, or names on the top of the buildings going back to the teens and 20s. And if you think about that, um, often what happened was the, the building was owned by the company that ran the business there, and they would be advertising for their line of business. So for instance, if it was a a bank or a mortgage company, they might have text on the side of the building with the name of the business. And for instance, you know, come ask for a loan, um, or an apartment building that has sort of ornate lettering on the top of the building that advertises the apartment building. So it was advertising, but now we've got more of a distinction where companies are purchasing space on buildings that have other businesses in them. So you'll have Apple advertising on the side of an office building, Mm -hmm. but Apple doesn't have an office in there. So one way that cities might think about this is, you know, whether they want to limit the use of the outdoor space um, to the, the businesses that are actually taking place there. But you can think about other places that this shows up. So when New York City, for instance, um, started uh, their bike share program, one of the ways they funded this was by charging revenues for things like use of buses. So if you know, on the on the sides of buses, there are often ads or in subway stations. Sure. So cities have been trying to monetize their public space and their outdoor space in lots of different ways. Buildings are one form of doing this. It's one way for the existing landlords to get money and for the c- cities to get some tax revenue, which then they can use to spend on public services. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Anne in Royal Oak. Anne, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm glad the subject has come up one way or another. I feel like it's one of those that's been looming below the surface. And I think that City Council found a law in the books. Great. It should not be on the books. I think that a freer attitude about art and advertising in our public space Mm -hmm. is moving in the right direction. I think when I hear these things going on in Detroit, I just feel almost embarrassed. It feels backward to try to clamp down on that now. Yeah, yeah. Yes. 
It really does. And, I mean, and and you're not bothered though then by by the 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 outsized or very bright advertisements that that we no, have. You think they let it fly yeah. because what I'm hearing proposed is only favoring the advertising on the sports stadiums, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which. No, 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 no. <laughs> let it all fly. Yeah. Okay. And I love to bite. Let it fly. Yeah. I, and I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Let's go to Abba in the Farmington Hills. Abba, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Thanks, Stephen. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just wanting to comment on the corporate aspect and the global view of our awesome city. You know, there's such a resurgence that we know about this renaissance in um, Detroit. And when these large corporations decide to invest in our um, in our city with advertising, it kind of puts us a little bit more elevated. You know, you see great cities around the world with huge billboards and on buildings and all that kind of thing. And I, even though um, you know, it, it certainly is a, a money grab for these uh, large corporations. It certainly shows that they see such a validity in our city that they want to invest in it. I think it would be great for council to um, implement some kind of policy that if they're going to advertise in the city, that they give a certain percentage to the city. Uh-huh, <laughs> that uh-huh. would be awesome. And um, obviously, the hopefully they wouldn't uh, make this decision based solely on the law and the books in a vacuum that uh, what your guest is giving such important perspectives on how to make this a successful, viable win-win for the city. It would be great for them to uh, be Mm. able to change and regulate in some ways. Right. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for the call and those comments. Uh, Again, another, another kind of wrinkle to the conversation. I really appreciate that. Uh, Let's go to Tim in Detroit. Tim, welcome to Detroit today. Hello? Hey, Tim. Yeah, I think that people who are qualified to make decisions about what is art and what is not art would be maybe a panel from the Detroit Institute of Arts. They have curators in modern art, all kinds of uh, ancient arts, and they have an idea. Um, Another thing, graffiti art, line art, you know, loud cartoons, look good on printed page, but they don't make good murals. You don't need too much of that gaudy uh, <laughs> uh, line art, um, you know, graffiti art. You know, the big, stupid-looking cartoons that are so popular. <laughs> and art is not good enough to be part of a juried art show. should not be allowed to dominate wow. the side of a skyscraper. Wow, that's a pretty... That's a pretty high standard, Tim. Uh, thanks for the call and, and injecting that. Uh, Jenny, I, I wonder if other sta- other cities use some sort of artistic qualification to determine what, what might go on the side of a building, as, as Tim is suggesting there. I've never heard of a city setting a standard for it has to be good enough to be in a in an art show. <laughs> um, I think tough. it's actually really I think it's a really interesting idea to have um, people with a background in fine arts uh, maybe looking at some of this stuff. Um, you know, some of it might be a question also of whether this is intended to be permanent or temporary. Um, so if you think of the the sides of buildings that, for instance, have um, sort of movable spaces and the, the advertisement is expected to turn over every mm-hmm. couple of months or something like that, you can think of it sort of as an experiment and people may be a little less opposed to that than something that feels like it's going to be permanent. Um, you know, I, I think it would be interesting to have um, some sort of maybe 
space reserved for public art and to mm-hmm. let up-and-coming artists have a competition um, and use that as rotating space. So I think there, there are lots of ways that cities can balance the idea that there should be artistic content um, and that maybe people get a chance to sort of vote on their favorites or something. I mean, there are lots of ways that you could introduce some local democracy in this and make it sort of a fun community activity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Deborah. Deborah in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Thank you. My comment is about, um, uh, well, recently I was in New York City in Times Square, <laughs> and just about every square inch of space in Times Square is brightly lit. That's true. Um, especially, you know, at night, and it's so distracting. It, it, it sort of, to me, takes away from the character of the city. Lots and lots of tourists, you know, taking pictures in front of these big, huge LED, bright, <laughs> bright um, advertising for all kinds of things. I, I, I think it detracts from the character of the city. Hmm. I, I like art. I like murals. And some advertising, I think, is okay as long as there's a, a nice balance. But, like, have you seen the um, advertising space across the Lodge Freeway off of Jefferson, getting onto the Lodge. Right. It's so distracting. It's so bright, and it, it 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 to me, I would I would really hate to see something like that happen to the city of Detroit. Yeah, you know, Deborah, that was the argument that former Mayor Dennis Archer was making mm-hmm. when when he asked City Council to to enact this ordinance. He said, "Look, the, with the casinos coming to town." Uh, Some of the other things that were happening, and this is now more than 20 years ago, uh, his thought was that it would just overwhelm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and that hasn't happened because for for other reasons, but now it's starting to sort sort of catch up. I don't know that we'll ever see anything in Detroit quite like Times Square, but but I hear what you're saying in terms of not trying to go down that road and and make things a little better. At the same time, I think people who, who enjoy New York and who enjoy, enjoy Times Square couldn't imagine it without the lights. Uh, and so I guess it's a question of what kind of place you want to be. But Deborah, thank you very much for the call. All right, uh, Jenny Schutz, David M. Rubenstein Fellow in the Metropolitan Policy Program at the Brookings Institution. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. Up next, we're going to talk about a special report on the devastation that is happening in Yemen. Stay with us on Detroit Today. 